We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. Super excited to be coming to you with the first episode since the start of the NCAA season. It took off right before Thanksgiving last week, and we're really excited to talk about some actual college hoops today. To do that, I am here with Aaron Barzilai. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Doing great, Megan. How are you doing today? Doing good. Just watched some exciting women's basketball on ESPN, so it's a good night. It was exciting. Did you, uh, although I, there was a lot of discussion on Twitter about that uh, final score, especially that rough uh, first half, but it was an enjoyable game, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was ugly for sure on offense. I don't think there's any beating around the bush there. It wasn't a pretty game, but I think I know it was a tight game, so that keeps it interesting. And then I think the battle between Aliyah Boston and Eliza Kanane in the post is exciting to watch no matter what the final score is, so... It was yeah, a good yeah, game overall. Really, it was really interesting. I was watching, uh, my son watched like the second half with me and he was like, what is going on? They've only got like 20 points. <laughs> he was like in shock once I pointed that out to him. So, Yeah, I mean, just an ugly offensive night. I feel like we should become a little bit more accustomed to this like a little less polishedness this season, just with everything going on, the disruptive off seasons. And then, I mean, neither these teams have been really disruptive disrupted going into the season so far but I think every team at some point unfortunately is probably going to get disrupted by something with COVID at some point so and not even disrupted I think a part of it is just like the lack of a preseason I think that yeah you know, they haven't really had a chance to work out these kinks I think the early season games are always a little rough and you do wonder what's going to happen uh, you know what they're how much they really tell you like when March rolls along 
But in particular this season, I think that, you know, it's very, you know, I think a team like NC State's going to walk away super positive and, uh, you know, South teams in South Carolina situation are going to be, you know, frustrated. I saw some of the comments from Don Staley uh, mm-hmm. that people were reporting on Twitter. Shout out to everybody covering her press conference. But, um, you know, I think it's also pretty easy for South Carolina to uh, just kind of say, well, we're just kind of getting started. We're young. We're kind of still finding ourselves. And once we actually get in a routine. Uh, looking forward to having a chance at them again, maybe uh, in March. Exactly. And they are young. And I think something I've said probably multiple times at this point on the podcast, but when I look at this top 10 teams kind of going into this season, you can argue yourself into a lot of different orders for these teams. And I think they all have strong pieces and they all have a lot of question marks. So I don't think it's going to be surprising that we see eight beat number one or 10 beat number two throughout the season. I think that order between those top 10 teams is going to change a lot. And of course, off the bat, especially all of these teams, just like you said, little kind of fragmented preseason, not what they're used to. It's going to take a little bit time for everything to come together. You've got teams that haven't even played a game yet. Teams that have had half their game so far canceled. So it's going to be fragmented with everything going on. And then I think in general, you just have some more parity at the top this year. Yeah, you've been Nostradamus lately. I think you made that point uh, on, was it the podcast with Calvin and Jen? Was that last week? It seems like a long time ago. It was two weeks ago. Yeah, I think uh, it was two weeks. Or actually, maybe it had just been last week. <laughs> it feels like the first week of the season was a lot longer than a week, I feel like. But I think it was really just like a week ago. <laughs> no, no, I think it must have come out because I don't think you released it over Thanksgiving. Oh, right, right. Last week was Thanksgiving. So I guess so it was it was a while, but you definitely made that point. And then did I see you tweet out ahead of the game that you thought NC State could get the upset tonight? Yeah, I did tweet before the game that I thought NC State was going to win. So I called it. Props <laughs> but, to you. Yeah, not really. You can retire uh, now, right? Don't ever make <laughs> yeah, another prediction exactly. <laughs> No more hot takes from me. We're just yeah, have, you deleted your, have you deleted your incorrect takes from uh, last season or not? I have not. No, I left them there. <laughs> I, I stand by my UCLA take last year. I was only off by one place. They came in second. I don't think most people would have had them second in the Pac-12 no, either. So. No, no. <laughs> we'll talk a little more about UCLA, UCLA later in the uh podcast but um but yeah no i thought and i think the nice thing about this game is it is a reminder that you know everyone's beatable last year it really felt like there was a top two or three that had really kind of separated themselves and um you know i i agree with you i think that you persuaded me i think there's not going to be that kind of separation which is going to be really exciting and especially you know uh knock on wood as we've been saying but uh you know as we get to the sweet 16 and the lead eight it's going to be particularly up for grabs Exactly. And I feel like, I mean, it's a little early to tell right now, but to me going into the season, kind of that top 10 seems to be a line for me. I feel like kind of at that 10th team, there's like, I feel like a separation between the next level of teams. Um, And I'm sure that will change a little bit throughout the season when you might see someone else move up into that category or someone kind of fall out of that category as more games are played. But like you said, I think it's going to be interesting. And I think should we get to a normal March, those regional games are going to be really good games. Yeah, yeah. And I got to say, I was really happy for NC State to get a sort of showcase game uh, at a you know good time slot, 7 o'clock uh, Eastern. It's unfortunate, I think, that tomorrow's game's at 6.30 Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a real chance to kind of show what they can do, right? Kunane, um, you know, played well. And as you said, it was, you know, despite missing a lot of shots, it was good to see her kind of battling and holding her own really against Boston. She was obviously given up, uh, you know, they're about the same height, I think, but, give, you know, Kunane's clearly given up a bit of weight. Um, but she was, uh, you know, had a couple of really nice hook shots and, you know, you can see, you know, that she's such a talent and, you know, perhaps one of the most important stats of the game, she was uh, eight for eight from the line. So pretty important. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's if we're trying to find positives in the situation of this year, probably something that's going to be positive because like ESPN has come out and said that they're just doing schedules kind of week to week at this point because it's so unpredictable. So some of these bigger games that maybe should have been showcased on ESPN and these teams that don't get ESPN time as often because it tends to go to the Yukons, the Baylors, the South Carolinas of the world, which makes sense, I guess, in terms of viewership numbers. But I mean, NC State's a really good team. They should be on national television, so they get that exposure this season, which is, I think, a win for the sport in general. Yeah, and I got to say, I enjoyed watching uh, Kayla Jones, but Raina Perez was eye-catching tonight, I thought. Yeah, she was absolutely on fire for them. Really strong game for her. I was impressed the fact that I feel like when I'm going into this game, I thought that NC State was going to win, and I thought it was going to be because Kanane was going to have an insane night, and I thought she was going to you know, kind of take the reins there as junior season go in and take over. But that's not really what happened. I mean, she had a strong night and she obviously had the hardest battle in the paint with Boston, but the rest of the team just really stepped up, which kind of shows how good NC State is around her as well, which is kind of why they're in that top 10 group this year and a legitimate threat to win the ACC and to be a Final Four Elite Eight contender. Yeah, one thing that'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how NC State's resume builds over the course of the season and what we, you know, we'll look back on this game and what we think about South Carolina losing to them. Maybe, you know, maybe NC State's a top four team, we'll think, uh, come February, March, who knows. But uh, one thing that is interesting, just looking at the box score, was that um, all the starters played at least 30 minutes and uh, no one off the bench, you know, they only had three players off the bench who I guess combined for, I'm trying to do this math live. It looks like, uh, you know, basically 16 minutes altogether, eight minutes, uh, five and a half minutes, and like two and a half minutes. So definitely very reliant on their starters. For sure. And yeah, that's a concern. I think when you start coming down the stretch, if they can't get someone to stop, step up off the bench, I think that hurts teams, just especially in March when you're playing so many games, you really need a player off the bench that's going to, kind of step up for you but I think we'll still I don't know be talking about this team come March even if they don't find that option yeah so and then Jada Boyd didn't play for them who has started the previous two games so assuming she gets healthy and is back that kind of shifts someone to the bench so there's at least one bench player maybe that you can count on for some production so maybe not a big concern but I think going into the season we're going to be looking for what can NC State get from their bench and can yeah. they find a way to develop that? And yeah, if boy can be healthy so that, you know, like Perez can come off the bench, great. But, uh, you know, although she's clearly, you know, only a point guard, right, at her size. But uh, at the same time, that description of her injury does not sound good to me. <laughs> so yeah. as someone that's had a meniscus and an ACL uh, injury, uh, I cringed when uh, they were talking about that. Yeah, great. It doesn't sound super positive. So, I mean, hopefully you never know, right? Because, I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but something like Didi Richards, that's a horrible prognosis, but she's back already. So you never know, but hopefully she'll get back out there. Yeah. So I'm glad, you know, it was a close game, a little bit more scoring in the (laughs) second half, although not tremendously. Um, Mm -hmm. I just uh, posted on Twitter. Have you ever heard of Lawler's Law before? I have not. Yeah. So Ralph, Ralph Lawler is the uh, former uh, like legendary Clippers broadcaster. And he came up uh, with his little stat, which is that uh, the first team in an NBA game to get to 100 is going to win. And it comes true like 90% of the time or something, but it's really not that if you really stop and think about it, it's not really uh, super insightful. Like, of course, the team that's leading towards the end of the game is going to be having a much better shot to win. But, you know, every game, you know, it was like his little shtick and he would, he would call it out for 
uh, I guess decades, not more than years. So <laughs> tonight, I think we saw Lyle's Law, right, for Courtney Lyle, that she uh, was first team to 51. <laughs> yeah. I so, put out a poll. I was tweeting the game, and I put out a poll, I think, right before towards like in the fourth quarter and i was like are either these teams gonna even get to 50 points tonight? yeah you know <laughs> i was on dvr and so i didn't and so i was a little delayed so i was staying off of twitter to avoid that uh, but i actually had that same conversation with my son he's like no way he's like they've got 40 <laughs> points and i think there were like six minutes left in the fourth quarter and i'm like i think someone's gonna do it <laughs> yeah let's see i'm looking at our poll results and we got 13 percent said nc state would 53% said both and 33% said neither. So shout out to that 13% that picked NC State. And surprisingly, no one picked South Carolina, which I'm like surprised that we didn't have some South Carolina fans on Twitter that were like, yes, they're get, the Gamecocks are going to get there and win this. But Yeah, I felt bad for um, Courtney and Carolyn Peck because they were talking about how they were going to donate $50 for every made three. And uh, for a while, it was not looking like there were going to be many. I guess they finished with six. So very gracious of them uh, to donate, uh, I guess, that $300 each. I don't know if it was each or together, but whatever. Uh, still yeah. a nice thought but uh imagine if they were covering that louisville DePaul game tomorrow yeah i don't yeah. know that that well i don't know what they make but i was gonna say i, I don't know that i would sign up to donate 50 dollars for every three in that game it could be a lot of money yeah 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 you're definitely not in position to do that based on your uh quote unquote her hoop stats salary that's for sure <laughs> so um but yeah, so I don't know. Any other thoughts about that? Or I do have a nice little um, kind of positive outlook for tomorrow's game. Did you know that DePaul is actually leading the country in scoring? At uh, Where are I had it here somewhere? It's like 109.5 points per game. So I'm pretty optimistic uh, that uh, tomorrow we'll see more points. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Stat. I didn't know that. But I think just the way Doug Bruno's teams typically run, they push the pace a lot. And that tends to lead to more scoring, especially early on in the season. If they're playing not as strong of a strength of schedule, they can put really push that pace against teams but and they lost, points. Yeah, they lost ninety one to ninety three uh, to Texas A and M, right? So it's not the other one was like against Chicago State, I believe. Right. Um, and yeah, that was uh, go on. Yeah, so they they beat Chicago State one twenty eight sixty six. So that <laughs> certainly helps. But I mean, they yeah. scored ninety one against Texas A and M, so that's. Uh, you know, there's a chance. I mean, there's a chance that because um, the total score today, right, was uh, where did we go here? It was. Oh, I guess they got to 100 combined. 54, 46 mm -hmm. was the final. So it'll be interesting to see if DePaul can uh, single handedly top both teams. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I don't know. I don't know against Louisville. So I'm interested to see that game tomorrow. I don't really think that DePaul is going to win it, but I have some doubts about this Louisville team, I think. There's a little bit of concerns that their, you know, freshman point guard is currently leading them in rebounding. Like that could be fine, but that I could see that being a problem down the stretch for them. <laughs> I don't know that DePaul is going to be the team that's going to cause that problem because they focus more on outside shots. I think they're gonna see more issues with that when they play a bigger team. Like if I don't think it's on the schedule at this point, but say in March Louisville has to play Baylor, they're gonna have some real troubles, I think. But um I don't know. I think Louisville is young. They've lost some big pieces. They're also kind of finding their footing. I think it's just a theme with a lot of these teams. So I think it should be for a good game at least. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be good. It'll definitely be, if you like offense, I'm expecting it will be uh, more <laughs> visually appealing to you than uh, tonight. You know, another crazy stat from um, for tomorrow's game, I was uh, looking some stuff up. Elizabeth uh, 
Balogun, right? I don't remember our because she um, was in the news last year a little bit as well. She's blocked. Her block rate right now is 17%. Wow. Uh, it's, I mean, it's two games, right? They beat mm-hmm. uh, Southeast Missouri State and Eastern Kentucky handily in both cases, but nevertheless, uh, remarkable. And she she was at a very high uh, block rate last year. Um, Kylie Shook, actually, um, kind of was at 10% last year. So that was pretty, you know, obviously very impressive. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how, as they start playing tougher competition, Louisville can hold up. Yeah. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Balgan's um, rate stay pretty high just because I don't feel like they have anyone else inside there that she's going to be competing with to get those blocks. But that which goes back to my point that just, I think they have some front court depth issues and it's going to be interesting to kind of see if they can make up for that with their guards or if it's going to cause them troubles as they get into the later season and playing some kind of these other top teams that might have big front court players. Yeah. I though am, you were talking, I think about Haley Van Lith, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're a freshman point guard. Yeah. She's like, her numbers have been jumping off the page uh, in these first two games. So I will be, I'm looking forward to actually getting to see her, uh, I guess not live or well, not live <laughs> and in person, but on TV uh, and really kind of see how she does. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to see her too in a, like a more competitive game setting. I think, I don't know. I always take all these first couple games where teams yeah. play these teams that they blow out by 50, 60, hundred points, whatever it is like, but with a grain of salt, because it's just, it's so hard to judge a top 10 team against a 200, 300 level team in the nation. Yeah. Um, and see like really where they're at. But I think when you put it into Paul, even though it's not another top ten team, it's a top twenty five team, a consistently good team, you get a barometer for where they're at by kind of how that game goes tomorrow. Yeah. And that'll be a signal. Uh, definitely circle on your calendar January 17th, because that's when Louisville uh, faces NC State. I think it's the only time they play the season aside from a you know ACC tournament game, presumably. Yeah, that should be a fun one, I think, in last week's episode when we did, or two weeks ago, I guess now, when Jen Kelvin and I did our hot takes, and I said that NC State is going to win the ACC, and I stand by that because I just don't see Louisville having an answer for Canaan, um, but that will be a big game to watch, so I'm excited for that one. Yeah, your odds went up on that uh, after tonight, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Notre Dame lost, uh, I think I saw it in Michigan tonight, right? Yeah, I think by ten points. So I mean, against a ranked team, not horrible. I, I have, yeah. I mean, they're not a top twenty-five team. I think we knew that going in. Right. They're. I don't think either of their losses are horrible though either because they lost to Michigan, which is ranked, and then they lost to Ohio, which we've got two her hoop stats mid major uh, player of the year watch list players on that team. So I get the Becky Hammond name in there. Yes. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Becky Hammond, mid-major player of the year award. (laughs) It's a mouthful for sure. But like a a legit team in Ohio. So I think people that were freaking out about that loss, I think are just more unaware of how good that Ohio team is than anything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So you're not going to take the persona on. Everybody knows that you're a UConn fan. You're not going to (laughs) also be a Notre Dame hater. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like they're not my favorite team for sure, but I, <laughs> I don't get any joy out of the rival rivalry when they're this bad, right? Like, what made the UConn Notre Dame rivalry so much fun is that they're always two top level teams playing each other. So, there's no joy in it for me for them to be not a top twenty five team. I want to see them back at the level that they were at. I still want UConn to beat them, but I want them back at that top level. So. Yeah, well, step one, UConn has to get on the floor, right? So Yeah, hopefully they did. UConn just scheduled a game prior to their Big East opener, so they are playing now on December 
12th or at least that's what's right. planned um so little three days before when their big east opener is now scheduled for so big news out of today that we've got three days less of a countdown to when the huskies take the floor so i'm excited <laughs> to see them <laughs> where i forget what's the who, who do they open against in conference play uh they open against i think it's butler in conference play so mm. not a big big east game but um at least we'll get to see them on the court yeah, no, looking forward to it. And remind uh, me and our fans at home, how much, uh, what are they able to do like this week for working out or whatever? So I believe they are currently working out in their pods. So the news out of UConn was that it was a tier one individual, which includes players, coaches, uh, practice players, managers, staff, managers, all those folks that are in that tier one. It was not a player or coach that tested positive. Right. Um so they were at first full quarantine. Now they're working out in their pods. There was a second uh, positive test in the program, but it doesn't affect their quarantine due to contract tracing. So I guess that means it's another tier one individual outside of the team and the players. Um, and so it doesn't affect their quarantine because they haven't seen those people since. Um, Could it be but, a tier so, two person or whatever they're calling that? It, I and maybe I think it is still a tier one though. I'm pretty sure that's what it was said. It's that another tier one. Yeah. Um, but so they're working out in pods. I believe they can do more than just pods, maybe outside this weekend. I I can't remember the details for sure, but their quarantine officially ends on Monday. So in a few days, they'll be back to full team workouts, assuming nothing else happens in that time period. Yeah, let's hope. And then are UConn fans going to cry foul if they change the quarantine length uh, based on the latest CDC recommendations? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't really think it impacts, I mean, like what would have happened with UConn's schedule. I guess maybe their first Big East game wouldn't get, have gotten postponed, but I don't think anyone's super concerned yeah. about that one game that got postponed. And they still would have missed this Friday's game against Louisville. So I think that's what people really care about. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be a crazy year. I was chuckling listening to um, Courtside with uh, Christine Calvin. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that yet. Um, and just every time they talked about a game, they're like, assuming it's played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to be more optimistic, but I also like just can't get excited for anything until it's actually tipping off. I think it was UCLA last week that their opener, um, it like they were like on the court warming up and then it got postponed because there was delayed test results and then their second game of the kind of opening week got canceled a couple hours beforehand so i just like can't really get excited until things are really about to go underway yeah that's i mean it's gonna be fascinating to see how everybody does it uh you know i was like the more pessimistic i think of the two of us most of this whole pandemic right um but you were sounding the other day when uh we were chatting earlier uh that perhaps the roles had flipped a little bit i've been maybe head in the sand or just kind of watching in particular how football has been kind of putting their uh head in the ground and just marching <laughs> forward the sense that uh you know i'm, I'm sort of wondering if uh, ncaa basketball will do that I mean, we've definitely seen more teams opting out uh, i know jen highlighted for us that virginia state um i think opted out for the season um, earlier this week but you know i have to believe that they're going to keep trying to play these games and what they might end up doing i still think is switching to more of these you know bubble bubble or bubble light kind of approaches yeah i agree i mean i think they should switch to the bubble approaches because i think we should be prioritizing safety 
I'm trying not to be too pessimistic, but I just feel like, I don't know, a lot of, like, everything that's going on is just, like, kind of, like, what are we doing? And then I also just, like, live by a schedule. So it's frustrating to me from that perspective, too. I'm like, you never know what's happening. You play it around a game, then it's not happening. You don't play it around a game, and then all of a sudden there's a new game. So it's it's a lot to kind of process, I think. I mean, most people know I have a day job, so, like, on top of usually trying to plan around, like, covering basketball with a day job, it adds an extra level of complication when you don't really know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, one thing I've been spending my uh, time on lately is we released the new uh, version of the stats site for the NCAA side of things, which uh, has been a lot of fun, and it's been cool to see everybody uh, using it uh, online. And, uh, you know, when people mention that they're digging stuff up on Twitter on their own, that's, you know always excites me. And, uh, but one question I have for you and, you know, really our listeners is I don't know what to do when I'm showing the schedule for the, uh, canceled games, right? Like, should I just pretend those were never on the schedule or should we leave them all as unplayed? Like, what do you think about that? I think we should leave them all as unplayed so we can do some fun analysis on how many games <laughs> get canceled. Um, it's a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to be able to kind of look at things and see how many games, are affected in the long run it will be i mean there's been obviously a lot this week but bigger picture as we go into the season it'll be interesting to look at how that trends and how that changes over time and how many ultimately out of like all the games get changed or canceled or what happens so yeah i was doing a double take uh just because i was looking at the louisville page and it looks like they have two games scheduled for the fourth because it's got the yukon <laughs> game listed well i was like oh wait that's actually was true so um yeah so fingers crossed we'll get most of them yeah i guess i haven't been as uh you as a ucla fan have been more directly affected by the last minute uh cancellation <laughs> thing than i have so like i'm yeah, well you know i won't even say it but um i tend to think that games uh will be canceled more a little further in advance the way the yukon louisville game was uh as opposed to last minute yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be more the norm is like, you know, a team's going to two week quarantine, which is hopefully more the norm because you have opportunities to reschedule and such, but you never really know. I mean, it's hopefully going to be more long term. Well, I don't know that hopefully is the right word, but it's probably going to be more long term cancellations, but nothing like is saving you from the team that you're supposed to play tomorrow, testing positive that morning or whatever. So it's going to definitely be complicated. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I think it was funny when. Gina was talking about how all these games that are they're they've missed now because they had to be in two week quarantine. It's like, well, we're probably not rescheduling the non conference <laughs> games, but it's like you don't really want to say you're not because who's to say? I mean, we've all seen Jeff Walls on Twitter for game trying to find games the last couple of weeks because Louisville has had a real bad run of luck with just their games getting canceled, even though they haven't had any issues within their own program. So who's to say that like you kind of Louisville don't have you know a mutual date sometime this season where they're both looking for games and that game does happen so it will be yeah. interesting to see what happens yeah I, I don't think we've quite seen the level of stuff that we've seen on the men's side but like with villanova's story is crazy where they just sort of like they liked the bubbleville experience because my sense was it was you know they were feeling pretty safe in there and so they were just like let's keep adding games as many as we can to make sure we maximize it because uh you never know what's going to happen we want to make sure you meet those minimums to qualify yeah, for the tournament exactly. i feel like going into like two weeks ago or whatever i was like 13 games seems like very doable <laughs> no one's gonna have any trouble meeting that and then we were like one week into the season i'm like oh 13 games might be hard sometimes like i, don't, I just don't think 
things are going to get better anytime soon. I think I mean, we're probably going to see a surge from Thanksgiving and then you've got more holidays coming. So I think it could be rough here for a while. Yeah, but I do think, I mean, the crazier thing, but I think this year in a, I still think the worst case scenario is they like shut it down for a couple months, but still play the tournament maybe in May or June or something, but like really, I mean, I guess that could be hard for WNBA draftees, but a uh, shout out to the draft draft lottery uh, tomorrow night, by the way. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, especially with the vaccine getting close, uh, I think they're going to figure some kind of way to finish off the season, even if it gets worse before it gets better. Well, for sure. I don't know what that will look like, but there is no way they're not playing an NCAA tournament this year. I could tell you that much just based off of, it's not so much on the woman's side, but on the men's side, like the money that the NCAA would be out if they don't play that tournament, it's happening. Yeah, right. So they're de- they're definitely going to do the men's side because of the money. And then I think that um, as a result, the they'll definitely do the yeah. women's side for like, you know, for all kinds of reasons, including Title IX. Unfortunately, that's probably the biggest reason. I don't like to say that, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, I do think the reality is, is that there's not the monetary pressure uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the and women's NCAA tournament as making money for the teams. Yeah, no, I agree. They, they don't make as much money off of it, or if any, and it's um, it's not the pressure that's there. But they're going to play the men's, they got to play the women's, and that's why whether there should or should not be a tournament and how it's going to be done, we'll see. But um, I'm, I guarantee you there's going to be one. So, yeah, before we uh, talk, looking forward, uh, I think there's a couple other great stories from the week that we should uh, cover. It's great that we've had a week of NCAA basketball, but what uh, caught your eye? Well, I think we've got two really good feel-good stories coming out of this week, which especially in 2020 is always appreciated. Um, from Syracuse, you've got Tiana Magnakaya coming back from breast cancer, played in her first game with the with Qs against Stony Brook. This past weekend, um, she had 16 points, seven rebounds, three assists in the game. So solid performance from her, a little rough on the field goal percentage. But, I mean, first game back, nothing to be concerned about there. So I think just in general, really great to see her back on the court and competing at a high level. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely super inspiring. And, it, you know, it seemed like it got a lot of great uh, coverage. I think it even made uh, Scott Van Pelt's uh, whatever, I forget, one big thing or something. Uh, but I think he really spotlighted it on SportsCenter uh, the night of her return. Yeah, just awesome to see. I mean, obviously so happy for her and glad to see her back out there. So really yeah, I love her. And I mean, she was amazing uh, in her most recent uh, healthy season with her assist rate she i believe led the country with an assist rate over 50 percent. so when she was on the floor uh she had an assist on over half of her teammates baskets so while we're talking i'll look up real quick uh just how rare that is because i'm pretty sure that's like off the charts yeah that's an insanely high assist rate for sure um so yeah a really good point guard someone that um, looks like she's going to come back and be at a level where she's definitely going to be in contention for the WNBA draft this year. So that's a really awesome story out of Syracuse there. Yeah. So we've got data going back to uh, 2015, 16, the only player that has had an assist rate over 50% for a season, uh, and played a reasonable amount of minutes is, uh, Tiana. She did it both in 2017, 18 and 2018, 19. So just unbelievable. Hopefully, I mean, 
I don't really know. I'm always impressed in the WNBA when the players come back after giving birth. I don't, you know, and I do think there's a, having, uh, you know, seen my wife go through recover from uh, giving birth. I uh, uh, always impressed that people are able to get back to a uh, top shape. I don't really know how long, you know, Tiana expects to be feeling kind of that she can play at the same level if she feel like she is now uh, or whether she's going to need a few, you know, a few games, a lot of games, maybe even this whole season to get under uh, her belt, but it's just wonderful that she's back on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Just so great to see her back on the floor. And then the other feel good story of players back on the floor this week is Dee Dee Richards from Baylor. Five weeks ago, I think it was, she had a scary spinal cord injury, kind of not a ton of information, but she was partially paralyzed five weeks ago and she played 30 minutes of high level basketball this week. So just incredible to see her back out there that fast. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, October 28th or no, October 24th was uh, when the injury happened. So, um, yeah, it did not sound good when those stories came out. So it was just really nice to see her on the floor. Yeah, when that news came out, there is no way I would have thought on December 3rd or December 2nd, I guess it was yesterday, she would be playing basketball. So really awesome to see that. Um, and then speaking of high assist rates, and the, she's transitioning to the point guard role for Baylor as she comes back here. They announced that kind of after her injury. But in the second half of that game, Baylor won and against USF. It was a pretty close game. But in the second half, she had seven assists, assisted on 50% of their baskets in that second half. So pretty smooth I mean it was a rough offensive game for Baylor and I think it's going to take a little time for it all to gel but pretty impressive number still from a basically first time point guard coming into yeah. the game yeah yeah it's still, yeah and yeah she's she's a delight to watch in general so definitely yeah. uh excited to see uh you know watch her play actually play this season and and to your point about what we we're talking about earlier like it's going to be crazy this year, just like how much the ultimate champion depends on, you know, who's just peaking at the right time, you know, whether it's right. getting a good seed based on conference tournaments or, you know, really playing well for what could be less than two weeks if they condense the timing of the tournament uh, to, you know, ensure that it's played in a bubble uh, in a short with as little risk as possible. So, um, you know, it could you could get a random kind of team popping up or down and dramatically affecting uh, the road to the championship for sure but I think and Didi Richards being back for Baylor puts them on that path to be one of those teams that we're definitely going to be talking to or talking about as we get into like talking about teams in March and stuff I mean it's so early still but I just think what they lost I mean they lost Lauren Cox but she was out a lot of last season and Baylor was still very good so they've got a lot coming back and I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch and of course Didi Richards reigning national defensive player of the year just a lot of fun to watch on the court. Um, so I'm really excited to see her back. Indeed, indeed. And speaking of excited, what games are you excited about for this uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? There's actually a lot of good games on the docket. There are a ton of good games on the docket. The one I'm most excited for is tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. So it's a late one, but UCLA, Arizona in the their Pac-12 openers, I think – I forget exactly what they're ranked, but I want to say it's like nine versus ten. In the seven AP versus standings. nine. Okay, seven versus nine in the AP standings. So really excited to see those teams face off. I mean, you've got two just really great seniors and probably lottery picks in the WNBA draft with Michaela Anyaweri and Ari McDonald play totally different positions. So it's not like they're going to be guarding each other necessarily, but I'm just really excited to see them in action on the court against each other. And then I think for UCLA, 
in their first um, game of the season, Charisma Osborne was just great. So I'm excited to kind of see how her and Michaela as a duo um, develop over this season, but especially against their first kind of big test of the season against Arizona. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a good one. It's on Pac-12 Network, unfortunately. I wish ESPN had picked it up, so we got like national television there. But um, I mean, a yeah, good doubleheader. It's unfortunate that it's on a, again on a Friday. Even the WNBA lottery and the big Louisville DePaul game. Um, you know, because I do think the viewership would be a lot better uh, if it was a you know a Monday through a Thursday in particular. Mm-hmm. I do want to say, as someone that uh, has lived in the Pacific Time Zone and went to grad school at a uh, Pac uh, then Pac ten school, Pac twelve school, nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific, so it's not that late for hopefully many of our listeners. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's still nine o'clock. That's way better than. I- I think we see like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock tips for some of these games. So it's it's much better than that. So, um, yeah, 9 o'clock, it'll be over by 11 on the East Coast. It's a Friday night. No one, well, some people do, but most people don't have to go to work in the morning. So it should yeah. be a good one. You're young and hip. You, you, you can stay up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a night owl anyway, but if you have access to Pac-12 Network, uh, definitely worth checking that one out. It's my pick for the game of the weekend. Yeah, it'll be at the McHale Center. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing about fans there. By the way, what did you think of the fans, um, the layout of um, South Carolina, the CLA Marketing Arena, right? How they had it set up there. Yeah, I actually didn't notice it that much. Um, I feel like I didn't really notice that on the broadcast. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention to that part. Um, Did you have specific thoughts on it? I don't know. I was like, it's curious, right? They've got all the cardboard cutouts, which is kind of cool. And I was like debating in my mind whether I thought it was weird that the fans were sitting behind the cardboard cutouts. But I guess that's probably to keep them isolated from uh, from the players and and the coaches and whatnot. But, uh, um, but, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's just a reminder, right? I mean, that place is usually rocking. Mm So, yeah, um, from that perspective, it was definitely noticeable. Yeah, I mean, it, they do still have fans, which to me is honestly a little baffling, I think probably to you too, because we live in, you know, this like tri-state area that has taken things very seriously, and there's not going to be any fans at sporting events in Connecticut or New Jersey anytime soon that are indoors, so um, yeah, it's a little interesting when you see the fans, it's like, kind of feels like a bit of a different world. I, it didn't like strike me, I guess, as like some of these like SEC football camps and stuff, I'm just like, what is going on? Why are there so many people? And I didn't have that reaction. So it seems like they were at least being kind of safe. Yeah, I don't think they would have stormed the court if the game had been played at <laughs> NC State today. Like right. that Notre Dame football game. I don't know if you saw that one a few weeks ago. Yep, I did. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that'll be um, an excellent game. And, yeah, it's too bad that it couldn't be a, an ESPN doubleheader because I just think that things like that are what are really going to help grow the game. Right. And, I mean, those just – it's two top ten teams and, like – two players that just deserve the ESPN spotlight. So it kind of sucks that when you've got that game, it's not on national television, I think, especially on the East Coast. I don't really know. I can't speak for the West Coast, but Pac-12 Network is not an easy thing to get. So um, it's it's disappointing that they're only on there. Yeah, probably a topic for another uh, podcast. Yes, exactly. So, But they do play again on January 31st, which let me check my calendar here. It, well, that's a Sunday, so maybe we can uh, have it be a three o'clock Eastern, twelve o'clock Pacific um, game. I guess that one's a yeah, yeah. That game's at UCLA, so it'll be in California. So there's yeah, hope. So hopefully, ESPN might pick up that one. <laughs> maybe yeah. I mean, who knows? That could be like the number four and five team in the country by that point. You never know. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Carol Stiff, if you're listening, let's try and make it happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a good game. Um, I uh, have my eye, in particular, 
uh baylor arkansas right is on <laughs> sunday i think let me pull up what time that is um so that's a game that i've got circled on my calendar espn2 uh at six eastern so that'll be exciting there's also a game uh at 8 30 on espn so it's like a nice women's basketball doubleheader uh on sunday it's, that's texas a&m texas number 12 versus number 25 uh kentucky faces indiana uh at four on espnu so a number of ranked and ranked and south carolina's got iowa state so no lack of good games on sunday yeah big women's basketball slate on sunday um, you know that texas a&m and texas game jumps out from the texas perspective you've got Vic schaefer now at texas and then charlie collier who scored 44 points in texas's game this weekend which is insane um so definitely a player to be watching there so excited to see what they do against A&M with a ranked opponent. Yeah, yeah. I think she's, she's the only one, I believe, that has 40 so far this season. I think second place, we tweeted about this. I forget if it's 36. I think it's 36. So, yeah, that might take me a minute here. So rather than <laughs> look that up, we'll just trust that it hasn't changed since the last time <laughs> I looked at it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, so I'm very excited about it. Um, but yeah, I think those are a couple of the key themes from the season. I mean, I think that as, as we've sort of been alluding to the other one's just coronavirus hanging over, hanging over the season, but it's been great to have the basketball, um, you know, obviously a few postponements, but big picture, it's been a, a good start to the season. Uh, we got through the Thanksgiving games, which unfortunately don't have a lot of visibility, uh, since they're typically not broadcast nationally. We got to our first national game, which is a, uh, a milestone and we'll take it from here yeah for sure speaking of thanksgiving games that didn't have a lot of visibility because most of them are on flow sports the Big East announced today that they're moving their women's basketball streaming to flow sports so um flow hoops let's, let's get it right for uh Sorry. shout them out maybe we can get them to advertise uh advertise uh, on the podcast i was just gonna critique them so i guess that's probably not the best <laughs> move if we're trying to get them to add on the podcast because i was gonna say i don't think it's a great move for the Big East, but um <laughs> honest assessment i believe if we do that we will be doing well in the long run that's what we're all about yeah honest assessment it's not the best product in terms of streaming games would have preferred to see them if they were going to go behind a paywall or something to go with like an espn plus that's more accessible and generally i just think the quality is better um but just in general not a fan of the mood for, of the move for the biggies because i mean it's not really going to affect uconn's games sny fox sports ones those channels are going to pick up uconn but i just think there's some momentum and um, buzz around that conference with UConn being added and then of course you have DePaul that's consistently ranked and Marquette that's been in the rankings quite a bit over the last couple of years so some buzz around that conference and a little disappointing to see them go to a service that's not that accessible yeah yeah I mean I think that uh, I'm not really going to comment on their accessibility but you know the price point is a challenge as well yeah that's what I meant by accessibility people are not generally going to be willing to pay $30 a month for that so yeah I'm sorry I don't think I, I missed that announcement uh during the week. is it just like almost all big esports going to that or just women's basketball it's just they made the announcement just for women's basketball um so I don't know if other Biggie sports are already on that. I would assume. Obviously, men's basketball is not, but I'm not really sure what they do with their other sports in terms of um, streaming services. But I just thought it was a bit of a disappointing move for women's basketball. That's the uh, consensus opinion of the UConn blog? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't even affect UConn, but still consensus opinion of the UConn blog is we're not a fan of the move. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's, yeah, yeah. Hmm, yeah, well... 
I'm sure that, uh, you know, they thought about it uh, quite hard before making that final decision. Yeah. So they must it's just a one-year deal, so I hope that there's something else in the works for next year. Well, you know, the optimist, if your glass half full, you could say, like, maybe this will help them, uh, you know, improve their product and get it to a place where it is more accessible and you're happy with mm-hmm. it, right? If it brings in more revenue and helps support um, these teams and, and in this tough environment, uh, then, mm-hmm. you know, that would be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. It's my very rose-colored glasses. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, right. I mean, but I mean, I will say, right, a one-year contract that'll give them a lot of room for, uh, right, uh, a lot of pressure, right, to make sure they perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and room to make different decisions next year if it doesn't work out well. Yeah, it's interesting that you know, I mean, there's all the talk about the NFL streaming games, right? You would think Amazon or whatever would go after that. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't really. I feel like we've gotten away so much from people having cable, but it feels like now you just need like 15 streaming services to watch everything. So I don't really know that's any better. So, well, I still have Fios. Uh, you know, we we you know we usually put our article before every WNBA season because it's so hard to decide how to watch all the different mm-hmm. games. Uh, but uh, you know, the nice thing about women's basketball that so many of them are on ESPN Plus if they're not on ESPN. Um, but yeah, so I've got uh, Fios. My biggest complaint is that if you buy the different packages, they're typically not on, you know, cable the way like, you know, like NBA League Pass, you can watch on your TV. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I could have, you know, I bought WNBA League Pass, but I don't think I could watch those games via my, you know, Fios slash cable service. Um, so I think that's like the biggest challenge is more games on the actual t- on traditional linear TV as opposed to you and your newfangled streaming services. <laughs> right. I mean, there's that. I mean, there's just general room for improvement of WNBA League Pass, but that's a topic for another time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I generally agree that like for NCAA basketball, like most games are on ESPN Plus. And I think ESPN Plus is a good product, right? You pay five, six bucks a month for it. It's not that expensive. It's accessible. There's a ton of games on it for women's basketball. And I think the quality of those streams is generally pretty high. So I don't have any complaints about them. Yeah. And like I was able to watch. Yeah. Was it the I think it was the the Baylor game, right? I watched mm-hmm. on ESPN Plus the other day and I, I have a Roku. So it was easy for me to actually watch it on my TV as opposed to on a computer, which, right. again, I value. Exactly. I have a Chromecast, so it's pretty easy to watch everything on the computer, but or on the TV, I mean, because you just cast it, but still, I agree, it's easier when there's just like an app on your screen that you can go to. WNBA should work on that. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm trying to think what other exciting things we can talk about, things, uh, you know, observations we had from the from the season, uh, sorry, the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like still my biggest takeaway is just I'm interested to see how this all goes. I've I've tried to be less pessimistic on this podcast, but I feel pretty pessimistic about just like how much things have gotten uprooted and we're only like a weekend. So I'm just interested to see how everything shakes out. I think it's a new normal for 2020-21. Yep. (laughs) That's my take. So I I am being I don't think all of our problems are going away when the new year comes. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the new year, not uh, January 20th. Uh, yep. I think it could be, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm doing my part. We're wearing masks. We're, yep. uh, you know, going to get the vaccine, although uh, not uh, going to be the first one jumping up for it. But, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't, 
uh, you know, I'm trying to make sure I don't qualify as obese. And so therefore <laughs> I'm not going to be in the first or second batch of, uh, you know, uh, vaccine takers. So I think I'll probably be like the hundredth millionth, hundred millionth person yeah. to, uh, take one, uh, at which point I'll, I will be quite confident in the, uh, safety as well as the efficacy of the vaccine. Exactly. I feel hopeful at least that by like next summer, we're probably going to be in a much better spot. So I think that's good news and things to look forward to at least. I think it's been a while since you could really like figure out like where's the like light at the end of the tunnel with all this. And um, I feel like it's nice to know that things are in the works and there feels like there's like an ended somewhat site. Yeah. Well, it's only a WNBA draft lottery tomorrow, not the announcement of the WNBA schedule, but hopefully yes. <laughs> well, uh, you'll actually be able to cover some Connecticut Sun games in person next summer. Yeah, that is the goal and be able to, you know, travel, leave the country, all these things that I normally would love to do. Well, you know, you should so. do instead of traveling, leaving the country, you should do like a tour and go to all 12 cities. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to do that, actually. So we shall see. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Podcasting for road tripping with Megan Gower. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyhow, well, I'm looking forward to the next time uh, we chat. We have some fun stuff planned for December. And I know it's uh, uh, I'm optimistic it's going to be a good month for you. So um, until next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Aaron, for joining. Always a pleasure, Megan. Thank you for listening to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please be sure to rate, like, subscribe wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us, uh, share it with a friend, tell other people about it. If they love women's college basketball, we'd love to have them as fans as well. Also, make sure you check out the new stat site at herhoopstats.com, recently updated for the NCAA season. I know I've been having way too much fun with the research tool, and it's just $20 a year to subscribe. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter on Substack, which is free, and following us on social media at Stats on all channels. Thanks for listening.